should I say? Hola! Or should I say, Happy New Year? Oh, my goodness. I, I can't believe it's 2024. already here. I mean, it's not for us because we're in the past. Right, right. But <laughs> for all you listening. From, yeah, we're speaking from 2023, but yes. if I know Sarah, and I think I do, she's optimistic. Things are looking up 2024. Yes. Things really are because I really, I, I, I've talked a lot with Eli about our themes and how yeah. you do a theme and we have yeah. settled on a, on a joint theme for the year. All right. Do you want to share it? Yeah. It's stretching. Oh my God. I love it. I love a multi-functional word. Right. Oh my God. I didn't think about that. Was so yours layered. metaphorical or literal? Literal, but I can go metaphorical <laughs> with it. We like need to stretch more. We every single time we do an activity, we're like, like we're, we're just old. stiff, Suze. We're just stiff, right? And Lucas wakes up. My little brother wakes up in the morning and does like tai chi, like calisthenics, like like he's like whipping his arms around and like doing weird neck movements and and like you know, this I gotta be my like favorite. him. Favorite, yeah. No, this is a great word because it can be literal. Yes. And what a great goal it we could all do, which is like just stretch the old body. And, and don't you feel like but. it's like what you say, riding tide, rising tide floats all ships, that if we are stretching and more in touch with our body as we go to yeah. bed, we're probably going to use it more during the day and be more connected to it. So it'll probably increase our physical activity just as a byproduct of doing this. Well, and you'll probably listen to your body more and be yes. in tune with it. I but, get goosebumps just thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, it's a great, good choice. And Thank also... You, what a fun double meaning because maybe you'll do something out of your comfort zone. Yes. And you'll be yes. like, what? I'm stretching over here at 2024. Yes. Yeah. Now, I'm universe. A whole bunch of stuff. I would like to let the universe know what you are not interested in is stretching in a way that is painful. Right. No stretching our budget. No stretching. <laughs> yeah. Nothing like that. I, I want to be real clear. We mean... A positive stretching towards growth and positivity through healthy and wonderful. Yeah, needs. we don't even want to like stretch out our sweaters or no, 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 like, no necklines. <laughs> yeah, nothing like that. Okay, well, I'm glad we were clear. Um, yeah. Initially, my word was go- when I thought I was going on the challenge, challenge forty. Oh, I yeah. thought, what a perfect word. I'm going to do have the word of my year be challenges <gasps> and like yes. be doing things Grace. that are hard, but like I ought to be doing and push myself. And then they yes. didn't pick me. So <laughs> I thought, well, fuck that. Um, <laughs> so, so I still haven't really decided. Um, and technically speaking, I have a couple weeks, even though yes, yes. listeners think it's the future right now. So there are some options, but all of them are going to be hard. And I wanted to express how like, you know, I've been doing these themes for a long time and I've had music and comedy and love. All these were themes I've had. And that you might notice that I'm still doing all of those old ones. I still am like constantly Uh going to comedy shows, constantly going to music concerts, constantly trying to be adventurous even when I don't want to. Yes. And that's why the theme thing is so great. Yeah. Is because you don't stop. Yeah. You just build on top of it. It becomes like your new 
foundation, which is why I wanted to do something like stretching because it's something that I want to create for the rest of my life because it's really, we're at like the, if you don't use it, you lose it kind of age. I'm so excited for you. Thank you. I mean it. That's what like the pump club is all about. Well, you helped inspire me with that because you, when you were like, oh, I'm making gains, Sarah, I was like, (laughs) oh shit, I better be doing something. You know what though? I think I might be wrong because I like was trying to bait compliments from Adam and I was, (laughs) I was like doing like, you know, muscle poses and stuff. You're posing in the mirror. (laughs) I go, do I, do you, do you think I look any, and he was like, Oh, and I was like, why are you pausing? Whoa, whoa. <laughs> too much of a pause, sir. It's already been too long. So I was like, I think I better up get things going even more because he had to think about that. Okay. Okay. Are it's you all focusing right. too much on upper body? Do we need to work on lower? Do we no. need more squats? Actually, I think that's the whole problem is that oh. there's so much of the squat and thigh shit that like you don't really see that too yeah, much. Yeah, you don't. You don't. It's more functional. Yeah, it's and I was like, like <sighs> I can walk up a bunch of stairs and I don't get winded. That's it. Nobody sees <laughs> yeah. that. Boo! I'm not looking for that. Right. That's why everybody was like, Sarah's going to be terrible at the challenge, but they didn't know these thunder thighs get you up a hill. Yeah, right. And but it was like surprise! All the tiny girls are stuck at the bottom, and we're still going, but nobody noticed them because it doesn't look like that. Yeah, you have to like. Just be satisfied internally and not rely on external validation. Oh, boo! Boo! <laughs> anyway, it's all about progress yeah. and it's all about one foot in front of the other. So happy Sounds new year great, to yes, you and all the brainiacs. Yes. One thing in the new year I think that everyone should do is use some amazing cookware and bakeware from well, Caraway. Well, like not non-toxic stuff. Let's right. get all healthy. Let's get out of that. If you have those pans that are like you've had for a million years and they got the scratches on them, no what good. are you doing? What are you doing? Right. Caraway, it's gorgeous, number one. Number two, non-toxic. And number three, bakes and cooks the heck out of your food. I mean, it is like yes. magic. It's so fun to use because it's so effective and easy. And cleaning them is easy. And so you're going to love it. How funny was Adam's tea? Oh my gosh. Short so cute. Yes. Tea kettle short. It's like, oh my goodness. Look at him. Short film director of the year over here. Yeah. (laughs) Real Scorsese. So relaxed. But he was inspired, you know, the old kettle. And I just love how they have all the colors and you can match them to your kitchen. Super cute. Visit carawayhome.com slash brain candy to take advantage of this limited time offer for 10% off your next purchase. This deal is exclusive for our listeners. So visit carawayhome.com slash brain candy or use code brain candy at checkout. Caraway, non-toxic cookware made modern. You're going to love it. 2024. Woo! 2024. I truly cannot believe. I know we talk about it a lot, but like we've been doing this a long time, Sarah. So, so long. It's never going to stop. Okay. Ever, ever, ever. There's and always I, so much to talk about. Are you kidding me? I yeah. got stories for yes. centuries. Can, are you, do you want to sh- save your story about vacation for your episode next time? Ooh. No, I mean, Hey, I would love to share a little bit about today. Yeah, give us an appetizer. Yeah. A little appetizer. So 
I was thinking, it's Eli's birthday, right? And this guy has the stuff. He's like, if he wants something, he's going to get it, you know? And he's a guy who likes doing things more than stuff. So for his birthday, I got, and I planned this trip six months ago. I booked this. I found this spot where we're going six months. I've been, Susie, you know how bad I am at keeping secrets. And especially when it's like a gift for somebody, how I have to tell them. I had to tell you what I got your son for Christmas, like in (laughs) October, because I couldn't hold it in. I'm so bad. I've been sitting on this surprise for Eli for six months. So for his birthday, I got him three days of kite, uh, both of us, of kite surfing lessons at the top kite surfing school in Tulum. And we, this morning, did our first three-hour lesson with the instructor and got the kites in the air. We're flying them. Like, it is a You're going to think I'm a real dumb-dumb, but like... Just so we're clear, can you oh, tell me what it is exactly? I think it, that's a very good question because windsurfing, kite surfing, yeah, surf, it's all looks very similar. So yeah. kite surfing is where you're attached to what kind of looks like a wakeboard and you have two little straps that you can stick your feet in and then you use a kite. So some of them are boards that have a sail attached. That's windsurfing. Okay. And this is kite surfing. So you are attached to four cords, two power cords that attach to your body that are like where all the strength comes from. It's like an, you're flexing your abs the whole time. And then you use... Is the kite above your head or in your hand? Yes. It's above your head. Yes. Above your head. Many, many feet above your head. And you're, it's basically like, you know, those cool trick kites that you see people fly that are like dipping and diving and doing right. cool stuff. Yeah. It's like that, but you're attached to a board. And the cool thing about this is once you have the kite, like handling skills down, right. you can do this on water. You could do this on land. You like with a, uh, with a snowboard or skis, like you go to oh, a big no. open area We're gonna, like, and you attach, take your snowboard your, to the next level. And Eli has, <laughs> let me tell you, Eli wanted to do like squirrel suiting and that shit where you jump out of an air, oh, off yeah. of a, you know, and I was like, no, yeah, calm down. you are not allowed. I, no chance. The, the, the failure rate on that is way too high. How about you get the experience of flying, but we're like over water and you only go like six feet in the air if you want to jump. And I mean, a stroke of genius to buy a gift that you get to. I mean, I know, I know. This is a lesson for all of us about gift giving. And I got a, yeah. Okay, well, let's dive in, shall we? Yeah. Um, I think this is such a fascinating thing that I never thought of, but you'll totally get it. Um, there was this really cool article in the Atlantic about, you know, let me ask you this. How old yes. do you feel like in your head? 22. Like what? 24. 22. Maybe right. 20. May, yeah. Maybe it's a little bit smarter than 22. It's like 24, 25, 26. That is, that is the so sweet funny. spot for me. Okay. Well, this, I mean, it's almost like I, people probably think we like plan stuff ahead. Never. Please. You think we have, no, I've we been don't kite surfing. that organized. What? Out of time. I can't get a hold of her. Okay. Right. I'm in Mexico. <laughs> I'm lucky she showed up for the Zumo. (laughs) Okay. So this article explores the concept of that idea. And, and first of all, just how, what a strange idea it is. Like nobody ever says like, 
You know how tall I feel? I oh. actually, I'm only five feet, but I feel like I'm six two. Like that's not a thing. Right. And so the, the idea that you would feel an Except age other Yeah. It's like this weird thing where like you yeah. feel. Yeah. We don't, we just feel the concept age. of age or and it's what an age is. When yeah. I was younger, I felt older. Okay. Sarah, did you write this article? No, I did not. <laughs> The article describes, and they've done studies on it, about how when you're younger, you feel older. And when you're older, you feel younger. But guess what age it kind of shifts? What? 25. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Did I write this article? For real. Wow. And yeah, that, that, uh, literally. They, I mean, what's cool about it is everyone knows what you mean when you talk about this, but yes. then they've done such a great job of like, synthesizing what it, what's happening Where and how those this article, this was in the Atlantic. Oh, this is, I love the Atlantic for this kind of stuff. This is really cool. Okay. Tell me. Yeah. More. So like they talked about how part of it is like when you're younger, there's optimism. And so like, you're kind of like looking forward to like, what's going to happen? What, who am I going to be? What am I going to do? And so you're like almost there in your head. Like I am 25, I'm right. 30, whatever. Right. And then when you get old, well, <laughs> you look back and think, boy, those were fun days. Yeah. And so you're always sort of like longing for something other than what you have. I mean, that's just human nature. But then it talks about how like there's this sweet spot, yeah. like where you want to have vigor, but also maturity that was exactly what I was thinking. It's almost like your mind is where maybe it helps you like societally or like to be, you know, if you're thinking that you're a little bit older, maybe it, it makes you act in, in a way that like, I don't know, you, you like raise yourself up yeah, to, to meet that more like average age, I guess. Mm -hmm. And then when you're older, you kind of maybe connect, you know, when you hang out with like uh, uh, if you've ever been around like an old person, you bring like a kid around them and they're like, I just oh feel God. so young when I hang yeah. out with it, you know, it mm -hmm. like makes me feel so young to, I think it's a little bit of that of like, we need to kind of find that middle ground sweet spot. Yeah. And that you, you want energy. Yeah. So you want to feel like excited, but then you don't want to be a cuckoo crazy teenager or something. You want to have like the sensibility and maturity to like handle life. So anyway, the, the sort of like shift when people start changing which direction they imagine they are is around 25, but it does, it's not always that way. Like some of it is about like what happened in your life at certain times. So like we've talked about this, like if you suffer trauma at like a young age, sometimes you like get stuck there. Oh, okay. I didn't realize people kind of realized it. I they they not, knew that. I did not either. Because I think in my case, it forced me to grow up faster. So I saw myself as older. It's so funny though, because one of the key words I would use to describe you is childlike. Right. But I'm childlike at about 10, maybe 10, 11, 12. When I was seven, eight, nine, that look, or like younger, I think mm -hmm. I... I don't know. I was, yeah, you had like a worldly like cynicism. Yeah. 
Yes. I was like, oh, like, I this fucking sucks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought but one yeah. of the funniest parts, maybe because it's relatable to me, is that it says like, um, if you're 30, you mm-hmm. should be aware that for better or worse, like the 50 year old you're talking to thinks they are roughly your age. So like, if you're about 50 and I'm 44, but like, you know, I'm getting there. Mm-hmm. I think like, I'm super yes. cool, you yeah. know, like talking to these yes. kids. Yeah. Like, I, we're I'm the same. Like even my nephews, which yeah. are like 20, I'm like, they'd see what I'm bringing to the table. They don't see it. No, they don't. They see I feel that way lady. when I hang out with Eli's nephews and I'm like, you, uh, oh, and then they were like quizzing me on like uh, what certain words mean. And I was like. My God, they're asking me because they think I don't know. Because yeah, I'm what if old. you're like fascizzle? I know what that means. It's like no cap. What? <laughs> it's so pathetic. It's so terrible. Why are we this way? <laughs> it said um, when they did a study where they asked this was theologians asking people how old are people in heaven. There was <gasps> a a, medi- a a number that came oh, up most 32. frequently. 33? How are you this good at it? Uh, because I just feel it. Jesus I was just, 33 when he no, kicked the bucket? That, that feels like, oh, maybe, I don't know. But that <laughs> feels like the age that we should be. You're smart enough to like know better, but you're not too, like, you're in that, that is, that is the, those are the golden years. <laughs> <laughs> well, and when I started reading the article, I thought, okay, how old do I feel? What would my answer be? Like before yeah. I read the article? And my answer was 32. And then I realized like that was when I gave birth. So it was like, oh. you want it. It's almost like after I had Before a kid, like I after. became like a, just a conduit for someone else's <laughs> progress. But up until that, I had my own identity and it life. It was just you. So 32 was like the sweet spot for me. Wow. Before everything went fucking downhill. <laughs> Hear that, Lincoln? No, just, we love you. But like, I don't know. Your number is 25 or so. Yeah, it's like, yeah, like 25, 26. Like that's like in my head because I think what, what, where I, when I say like, oh, how old are people in heaven kind of thing? It's like yeah. 33. Cause that feels like, yeah, the age that where you haven't figured out, but so often I find myself like doubting myself or being like feeling like, oh man, you made such a stupid mistake or I can't believe you did that. There, you're so aware of your own faults and, and own like things you don't Mistakes know, I guess. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. But that is what drops that maturity level down in my mind when I imagine like, you know, well, yeah, I feel 26 because a 33 year old would oh, not and forget also, to like- put the laundry from the washing machine to the dryer. Well, that thing too about how we keep learning and realizing how dumb we are. Ah, it's like the more I know, the more I don't know. Yeah. And if that ain't the worst thing. Yes. I'm going to give you more info about this, but something, some numbers we can all agree on is how much we've saved using rocket money. I'm what are you doing you, if you don't have this? Yeah. Right now. Resolution. Stop. Stop it. Do get right there. Right now. It's the perfect time. Download Start the rocket year. money. By knowing about your finances, uh, stop spending a whole bunch of money on subscriptions that you don't need. Mm-hmm. I did not know I had two subscriptions to Paramount Plus. <laughs> no, and I think you were logged into mine. You just oh, like couldn't get Peacock. enough. 
Peacock. Okay. I had two subscriptions, two under two different email addresses. And then Rocket Money was like, hey, this subscription just went up $5.99. And I was like, oh, that's because I signed up for right. it again because I didn't know I had it. Thanks so much. Wow. Cancel. Yes, that just happened two nights ago. Yes. Yeah, see, this is that's just one small example. They are constantly yeah. keeping track of all of your ding dong moves. And it's really not even your fault because these trials and stuff are designed for you to forget yes. about them. Yes. And so they're like, not going to let that happen. And then you won't waste money. Plus they negotiate like your bills to be lower. If it's like insurance yeah. or cable or whatever, um, they do the dirty work. You don't even have to do That's it. Right. It's so empowering. Such a great way to start the year. As Sarah said last time, you can like save yourself so much trouble at tax time too. Yes. Cause you can like, um, categorize and all that stuff. Rocket money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spendings and help lower your bills has over 5 million users and helps save its members an average of 720 bucks a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash brain candy. Those subscription oh, companies must be so mad. I'll say it again. Money. That's rocketmoney.com slash brain candy, rocketmoney.com slash brain candy. I know they probably are slash. Yeah. Slash brain candy. Uh, they're probably like rocket money. Yeah, they're like, they got another one. Damn it. (laughs) Okay, here is some other fun little bits from that article before we move on. Okay. Yeah. Um, Ooh, this is interesting. Okay, first of all, we have as humans like an outsized number of memories from the age of 15 to 25. And they, they say that that's why you love music from the ages that you were... Or the years that's that, like the bulk of our memory. Is that it? I think that it's because have... it's like you're becoming an adult. So it's almost like how babies learn so much in that first year. Oh, like from okay. 15 to you're 25. Like absorbing it all. Yeah. And you're like go- learning how to drive and dating and getting a little separated from your parents and being independent and forming an identity. And oh, so, like, your it brain really is makes exploding. Sense the soundtrack to that, to those big pivotal moments that like form your identity would be ingrained in there. Yeah. And like the, the things that would make you happy or the things, the music that brought you comfort or just, yeah, that makes happy sense. memories or whatever. And so that's why you love that music from those years when you were 15 to 25. And then I even like the food when I go back to, I'm like, sometimes you just have some top ramen for Aww. no good reason. It's like, Oh, that, that hits the spot. Right. I was a craft Mac and cheese kind of gal. Same diff. And like it said that the discrepancy between chronological age and perceived or like internal age was the greatest, that gap in the US, Western Europe, and Australia. Asia was much smaller. Africa had the smallest. And they said it could be read as like an economic sign, like poverty could play a role, but also culturally, like, you know, collectivist societies value... They have more respect for like, you know, older the elderly, population. like, yeah. like, and, and I, yeah, the aging population get. So they might I be more comfortable being 50, 60, 70, yes. whatever it is where we're like, I'm 25. Right. We're chasing <laughs> youth yeah. over there. Like hold it. Yeah. Holding on to that. Yeah. So that was totally right. great. I epic. bet that would probably line up with the amount of people who like lie about their age on their driver's license or things like that. Or, you know, can't do it on there, but Do you like, find you know, that funny when age. people lie? 
Yes, I do. Like, because, like, what, what? We have eyes. Right. And if you, like, tell me that you look, that you're younger than you are, I'd be like, you should have Well, you look like garbage. <laughs> right. <laughs> I got bad news for you. Bad yeah. News. I don't get that. I yeah, get being I'll tell everybody I'm 82. <laughs> right. You really should. Yeah. I was watching Below Deck, my new show that I'm obsessed with. And, um, oh, you know, because I talked about yeah. the... the that it was so it's so good so i'm still watching and one of the gals on there when she was asked by one of the other deckhands like oh how old are you she's like can you believe it 52 for real okay (laughs) what is the age she was not she was like 23 or something like that it was very funny what do you think the age is that you could say where it's way older than you are but still like they'd be like huh Mm, i bet i could get away with like 44 i think i could do 58 no I really do think way. that. Like, cause you, cause I have enough like Botox and shit where it's like okay, kind of like you, somebody be like, you pulled them tight. You're and... 20 or 70. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I still need a little more, a little bit more work to, <laughs> to pull that off. What do you think the I, youngest I, age you could say and get away with it? Oh, I don't think I can look very young because of the, it's just like sun damage. It's like. You just tell. I think the youngest I could probably get would be, how the fuck old am I? 32, maybe? I think you could go. You could no. also get 32. No. I think you could go younger, though. I I think you could. You, you, we People think we're the same age. Nobody thinks that. Zero people. Yes, but they do. Bless your heart for saying it. I think that. <laughs> All the yeah, time. Yeah, you're like everyone, meaning you. Everyone, me. <laughs> Oh, like Susie looks younger than me. We're a before God. and after photo, but sh- I I'm the, I don't know. Yeah. Like which is the after. I do think it's interesting how you, you almost lose a perception of like, what do I even look like? Yeah. Well, it kind of fades with like, how old am I? The only time I, I get a really harsh reminder is when I see somebody driving who I think should still be <laughs> yeah. in diapers. I'm like, oh, why is that infant behind the wheel? Yeah. And then I, then that instantly makes me realize how old I am. Yeah. Because I'm like, fuck. And then when we were walking down the street last night, we it was like 5.30. And, you know, people on the street in, in like Tulum are like, oh, come up, come up, come to see your bar, see your bar, come upstairs. So we go upstairs to take a look at one. And instantly I was like, too old for this. I'm out. What was going on in people. there? It was just... The lights were a lot. The, you were like, this the, is overwhelming. Right. It was like a black light. I was like, Eli, I feel like I'm on drugs and I'm totally sober yeah. and I can't. This is not <laughs> for me. So funny. And like, it was too loud. And it just felt like, you know, there were a bunch of those um, places to pose for Instagram pictures with like wings behind you and shit. Wow. And I'm like, nope, this ain't, this, this, I'm too, I am officially too you old. You graduated. Yeah. I guess it's good to know. Where's the old people? <laughs> party zone right yeah well at least you know do you think it changes at all if you are the youngest or oldest in your family Hmm. because i wonder if if i like if i felt older because i was the oldest and if you held on to maybe some of that feeling younger because of being the youngest. i almost feel like it's the reverse where where i was always around older people you know like my oldest brother is 13 years older than me 
So I do prefer so it older people. So naturally matures you a little bit. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, that would make sense. That would make sense. My first husband was ten years older than me. All everyone on my road rules was way older than me. I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. But now I'm old, and I know it. It hurts. Who, who's your youngest friend? You. How old is your youngest friend that you like hang out with regularly? Me. Yeah. Okay. I think so. <laughs> for sure. And Link. Yeah. And Link. <laughs> my best friend. Okay. Um, Gretchen, my sister, recommended another great doc. Um, I think it's a, called The Preppy Murder. The Preppy Murder? Yeah. Or like The Preppy Murderer. I should look up the full title. It's on Amazon Prime. Okay. Let's see what it's called. Um. Okay, the preppy murder, death in Central Park. That's the name of it. Oh. I hadn't heard of it, and I hadn't heard of this murder. But in the right. sort of beginning of the series, it says that before OJ, this was like the trial of the century. It was some big deal. Huh. But really, it was only a big deal because the murderer, the alleged murderer, is like drop dead gorgeous. He's like looks like a movie star, and oh. the a situation was that he allegedly killed this young girl. She was 18. He was like 20 or so. And um, he, I mean, she was wrecked. Like her body was just like, like the shots that they show of her, you know, the crime scene. It was just like, what yeah. happened to this woman? Um, but he claims that, it was like rough sex gone bad, but more than that, he was, he claims he was raped by her and that she, he said no and she wouldn't stop. And so he was like, had no choice but to like defend himself. And what? it's insanity. Uh -huh. Like. And what people just believe him because he's a good Yes. Or and white, you know. Oh God. And sort of wealthy. Like this yeah. prep school, like handsome guy that everyone wanted. Is the victim role, and so he's wow. almost like leveraging the fact that all these women like wanted him, which I I'm sure is true. Uh -huh. But huh. I just wanted people, brainiacs, if they watched it, like or they do watch it, to tell me like whether they think there's any chance that he was telling... I mean, there's zero chance, but I still want to no know if chance. anyone's like, yeah, it could have happened. Okay. I want to say this. It's wild. You just... Get, like, I yeah. can't get it out of my head because you just keep thinking, like, I can't believe he's saying, saying this. And even in the um, questioning, like, the cops are like, okay, but she's dead and you're not. <laughs> like, like, you're yeah. going to play the victim? And she was a tiny girl, and you're six three and like two hundred pounds. Oh come on! Nope, <laughs> I'm sorry. Ridiculous. No, it's totally fascinating. Please. But it, I liked. Have you ever tried to wrestle the remote out of your partner's hand? <laughs> For I've real, or get them like to stop tickling you, like when you're in high school? Right. Forget yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Forget he, it. He's I don't care. Story. Yeah. Okay. I'll, this is like. The, the, I can't, you I can't probably need a palate cleanser after that, and that is why you should try instead something that we all love, which is Dipsy Stories. Now, that is sex we are yes. into. That's like the opposite. That's going to make yes. you calm, make you relaxed. Not bothered. 
make you mm-hmm. yes ready. <laughs> yes. What a great way to start yeah. the year too. Am I right or am I right? Get in the yes. mood. Oh, that could be your year year of pleasure. Well, you should check and see if they have any stretching ones. Uh, yeah, I'll be like, oh, bend over. Do you need help stretching this? I guarantee. I guarantee there's a yoga instructor one. That is so true. Please. Well, because Dipsy Stories is yeah. great because it's made for women by women, and you put in like the quiz, like what you're into. And then they will show you stories that can like soothe you or put you to sleep or get you revved up. If you want to be with your partner. Very first time after taking the quiz, they were like, would you like this camping video? I was like, okay, you know me too well. (laughs) Whatever science they did, that algorithm, it's doing the right stuff. And for listeners of the show, Dipsy's offering an extended 30-day free trial. When you go to dipsystories.com slash brain candy, that's 30 days of full access for free. When you go to dipsystories.com slash brain candy, dipsystories.com slash brain candy. They have like real good voice actors too. They yes. know what's up. Good they work, really Dipsy. It matters. Yeah. Okay, Wide Preppy range. Murder on Amazon Prime. Check it out. Okay, there was a really fun article in the New York Times about how to win Wheel of Fortune. Oh. <laughs> it, Wheel it, of Fortune. Fortune. I used to watch with my grandma. And, you Same. Know, did you? That's so nice. I, I feel like that if you had a grandma, <laughs> did, did you even have a grandma if you didn't yeah. watch Wheel of Jeopardy Fortune? Yeah, Jeopardy and then Wheel of Fortune. Yeah. It was a double right. header. 7 and 7.30. And... Because my grandma lived next door to us, so we'd go down there every evening and watch those things. And I loved them. Apparently, a lot has changed with the wheel since I was a viewer, though. Maybe you know this, though, because I feel like you're more in... No? Well, like, you know, at the end, what's that thing called? Like the... the... Showcase showdown? (laughs) No, that's something else. That is prices, right? Something like that. It's called... Yeah. What the heck's it called? Um... The bonus you round. Solve the puzzle on your own. The bonus round. Okay. RSTI. You got it. You well, got so it. in the early days, they didn't give them any letters at all. And then everyone picked oh. RSTLNE. And so then they were like, oh, you can have those. Pick a different, pick different ones. And so that, that's how that was introduced, that feature. But this is something I never thought about is how like you're not competing against like I don't know, past players or like even yourself, right. you're competing against producers who come up with the ans- what is going to be there. And right. so they're trying, they right. don't want you to win really because mm-hmm. that's expensive for the show. And so there's an element yeah. of like, they're in- not rigging it, but. Right. Well, it's kind of like how I play hangman. I always pick the same word and nobody ever guesses. And it's actually like not even fair. You know my secret word? I'm going to tell you. It's zucchini. <laughs> we have minimal letters, letters that people don't often pick. This is so great. Because you're going to guess A-E-I-A-E, and then now you've already run through two. Then you're going to guess an O. You already got three oh vowels gosh. done. Nobody That's guesses right. the Z. And then... We only have a few Z U C C. We don't have. Do you letters. ever like get tired of winning at it? Or are you like every time you're psyched? Absolutely not. Because I'm usually playing against like a six year old. You're like suck like it. Year old, and I'm like suck it. You what? suck at this. Be better. 
Sarah. Sucks to suck. <laughs> this is classic. I'm loving this. Okay. People are, nobody's going to watch, nobody, <sighs> told you, I told you too you much. Know, I said too like much. there, there are clues that Sarah's actually the asshole and I'm the nice one. And this is one of them. <laughs> it's yeah. like that. Cause you don't, you're like, you don't even care. You're happy no. to kick their ace. Yes. Wow. That's a great yes. word though. Okay. Zucchini. <laughs> right. And I, zucchini, nobody ever guesses. I'm telling you all you moms out there, dads listening, play with your kids. Yeah. Watch them cry. I, I promise you, they're, watch them cry. <laughs> You're welcome. Or kids listening. Do this to your parents. Okay. Well, I think that you would make a great Wheel of Fortune producer then because that's, I think there's an element of that where they're... So then once they added that feature where they gave you RSTL and E, then they had to change yeah. the puzzles to make it still harder, right? Less yeah. of those letters. Okay. Right. Then there's a feature that I did not know. They added where like the contestant gets to pick the category. Did you know that? What? I have not yes. heard that. So like this article was like no telling way. you which category to pick. What category? They recommend instead of choosing things or oh. thing, you should everything. choose Places. phrase. Oh, because it's going to be something common that we all know that we've heard before. Let me find what it says. Because, like, that was like a tip of the century for me. Yeah, choose a phrase. Because then you're going to, if you get a few words, you, or a few letters, you can, it's like a bird in the hand <laughs> or it, you know, Right, stuff like and that. your brain can right? access that sort of like. And it could fill in the blanks versus something that's completely. Um, what's the word? Like, yes, anything. It's like- right. So yeah, they said phrase, um, is the answer. Um, ba, 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 ba. phrase is the category that will give you a fighting chance. Other categories like food and drink have slightly higher win rates, but they are uncommon. So they said, um, food and drinks. All right. Phrase okay. is good. The worst is thing or place. Don't. Yeah. Oh. And then it says this place place we think geographical right. location. We think it's gonna be the grand. But it'll Canyon. be like bird's nest. And place is yeah. right. Or it'll be like kitchen. I don't know. Yeah, refrigerator drawer. <laughs> right. Where you're like, what? That's not a place. That's a that's a but it is. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I can they see that. They get loosey goosey, but you can't do that with a phrase. Yeah. No, you can't because they're fra- the phrase to pay. Then it says, yeah. don't expect the puzzles to make sense. 40 seasons have pushed producers towards stranger and stranger constructions. So they're getting like... Why don't they just go back to the beginning? We're not... not the Trust me. The grandmas that were watching it in the 80s ain't around anymore. Right. Like it says... Just use, this, use the old ones. Yeah, come on. It'll be like... Three people on the spectrum who happen to know everything, <laughs> and the rest of us will be scratching our it heads. It says it'll be just like Price is Right. Co- like in recent years, puzzles have become more distinct with constructions like a box of goodies or wooden flower boxes, as if that's a thing. You know, that people say. I mean, it, it's not a thing people say, but like I've purchased wooden right, flower boxes. Right. But it's not, you're not like. Common. It's not like if you were thought nobody's gonna think of that, right? You I get, get it. it. I get it. Like, well, yeah, kite surfing in Mexico. Yeah, Mexican kite surfing. Yeah. Yes. 
I see that. You. I see that. Yeah, I get it, but I'm kind of into it. <laughs> it is enjoyable when they don't get it. What? Like, I want them to get it. It's not like enjoyable, see, but again, like. Asshole. I know. See? It's the problem. It's like. I mean, I'm disappointed for them, but it's fun, more fun to watch. For real? When they don't get it and you're like, oh, I find it so dissatisfying. And then they all flip it over and the, yeah, it is. But you like love that. it. Okay, maybe I, just wow, I'm learning so much about you. I like it a little. I know. Jeez, it does say it? that there are a few words you should memorize because the producers love them. Okay. Zucchini. Um, koala. See, a lot of vowels and not a lot of consonants. Yeah, like fluffy koala. Because people are going to guess consonants. Wombats and koalas, baby koalas, young koala, cuddly koala, right? Sarah, you're right. K-O-A-L-A, because you have very limited... If you only... If you have a word with a lot of letters, but there are a lot of... A lot of spaces, but doesn't use very many letters, that I feel like is the real sweet spot. Because if they get... And and you make them not Mm R-S-T-L-N-E... The other one, like you got zucchini. Well, you get the N with that. Oh, well, that's true. But so, it still would be really hard. It ends in an I. Really hard. Right. That's the thing mm-hmm. that throws you off. You never think it's going to end yep. in an I. And then somebody puts the I on there, you start thinking, what the hell is that? Right. And the CH in the middle is, no. no yeah, she's really selling it. us on this hangman strategy. <laughs> is there H yeah. in zucchini? No, Z-U-C-C? Yeah, there is. And there's also yeah. an H in Athletic Greens, which is now known as AG1. So they could screw yes. you with that on Wheel of Fortune too. Oh, Those tricky Did you have bees. your AG1? Yes, I did. Well, how the heck do you think we're staying uh, good? And also, anybody knows if you travel internationally, sometimes the tummy ain't so right. Uh, so we got to do everything to maintain that good mm-hmm. gut health and good, like everything, keeping things like yes. Just, that is so true. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, I do. I think about yeah. this way more than the average bear because of my <laughs> issues. So trust me, I get it. Because this, the AG1, the prebiotics, probiotics, probably like another kind of biotic. I don't right. know. Digestive enzymes, gut health, keeps everything moving and grooving. And also just the routine of it. And f- yes. this is what I always encourage people at the beginning of every year is this like even in the pump club, they talk about, it. it's not about inspiration. It's just about routine. Yes. Do it every day where yeah. things become automatic. And that's really the key to like lifestyle change. And then you miss it when you don't have it. That's right. And that's the best feeling. Cause it feels like, Oh, I need to be doing this healthy thing for my body. Yep. Wow. Doesn't it feel good to like crave that? It's not a burden. It's like a, right. I want more of the good thing. Yes. Yes. AG wants the supplement we trust to provide the support our bodies need daily that's why they've been our partner for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash brain candy. That's drinkag1.com slash brain candy. Check it out. My prediction, since we've done, we've done this podcast for 10 years about, and I think we're going to do it for 10 more, 10 years from now, every single person will be having a green, like, yeah. green drink as part of your daily routine, right? have to do it. Like it's, and this is the good stuff. Yeah. I really do think it's going that direction. Um, okay. Moving on. Um, Oh, this, I thought you would be 
interested in or tickled by, which is that, did you hear about in the last few years, this sort of innovation in tattooing where you can get like a semi-permanent one where they fade in about... No. Yes. No. Yes. So you can get like... I'm very into that. Okay. I wasn't sure if you'd be like pissed. No, I am not one of those traditionalists who's like, oh, you've got to go through the pain and you got to blah, blah, blah. It's fucking artwork on this skin suit that we're in for however many years. Okay. I don't care. Yeah. You don't need it to be a forever commitment. Yeah. And I feel like it's more fun if it is something that is like permanent, but semi, I don't know. I Mm -hmm. like that. Well, this company, they hired not tattoo artists, but like actual PhDs in chemistry to develop this ink. Yeah. And they were saying that the the difficulty isn't with making it disappear. It's making it last sort of somewhat long and also be like the, yeah. the consistency, consistency that you need to create like a nice color and nice lines and all of that. So it was like a big deal, but yeah, they really hit a bit of a snag because they were, they promised people that these would fade in nine to 15 months, but then for some people, they're still there. People are getting pissed. Well, that makes sense because I bet it has to do with metabolism. Yeah. Metabolism or like wear on the body. So if it's further away from your heart, for sure, like fade slower. Yeah. Like, what? yeah, like if it's near your, the core, it fades faster. Yeah. That is crazy to me. Oh, you thought it was reverse or not? Kinda. Yeah. Must be about I like blood. I that an area oh. that had a lot of, ski, a lot of cellular turnover, like your hands oh, or yeah. elbows. Yeah. Like or- if you... Because I know where mine are fading more and it's places where my skin is drier. That makes sense. it feels like... I see what you mean. Yeah. That's very interesting. So it has more to do with your body absorbing it and breaking it down than the... Outer location. Like than the... Yeah, than the elements or or like your own like it's not like sloughing off. Yeah. But I think you're so... That's so insightful because I didn't think about that part. That makes total sense that you would like. If you're a person that. who gets tattoos on your palm, you have to get those redone like right. every few years or so. Okay, well maybe that that's different. Just sloughs off so much. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's one lady has one on her wrist, and it's not getting faded fast enough. But they said, "Don't worry. Like it's the max is three years, so they are still semi permanent. But like, they really just should have worked on their." promises and said like, right. It's, okay. it really years, varies. I'm like, uh, you know what? And it goes, it go, sometimes it, it's, they undersell. So I got my eyebrows microbladed mm. and they told me that it would be like two to three years. It's been damn near six years. And these things are still on there. And I just went and got my eyelashes. Like, uh, uh, I got a little eyelash lift, you know, when they do. Yeah. 
like the perm your eyelashes is so fantastic. So I don't have to wear makeup the whole time in Mexico. And she was like, man, you're, you're whoever microbladed your brows did a really good job. Shout out to my friend, Sarah. And, uh, and she was like, I said, yeah, I got them done so long ago. She said, how long? I, it's like six years. And she's like, I can't believe those are still there. I've never seen ones that say it just has stayed. They said another variable too is the, the, um, tattoo artist. So like maybe yours had a particular oh, yeah. method or yeah style that I love it. Yeah. Right. Thank God. It's not a good business model for that person. Cause uh, right. I've done it twice. And the first time I did it, it only lasted about two years. Okay. That's interesting. I'm like, I got to go to your girl going anywhere. Okay. So anyway, I'm actually surprised that you're answer because i thought that you were going to say like no regrets like it was going to be like i'm not one of those you're not a purist no i don't give a fuck oh yeah because that was your whole logic about getting tattoos you're like by the time i want to remove them it'll be easy no problem do it on your lunch break it's practically the case already they should make like you know those coloring books or whatever that like i would love it if they could do a coloring book tattoo thing and then like you could like color it in yeah you know what i mean i used to do that to the section that i still have yet to finish and whenever i was on the bus at camp i would just give the kids my arm and give them like crayola washable markers and they'd color them in hasn't become like a more of a thing because that would be if you were a parent you're like color my arm here you go yeah well anyway (laughs) problem kicking around ideas okay um in the washington post there was this article the title Drew me in. A woman made chili for neighbors. An outrage ensued. Was she wrong? I was like, we'll be the judge of that. Yeah, (laughs) right. Was she a very bad cook? Right. Because I thought, how how would what how how would what chaos ensue and and drama and and what 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 could have possibly go wrong? Which I mean, so much, so much (laughs) beans. I've I think that. The true crime here was not making chili for her neighbors. It was announcing it on social media. Like that is just an invitation for opinions and what good can come from that? But I think it was particularly on Twitter. Like if you put out a tweet, it can always end up being some sort of big cultural debate. Hood chili, though. I think she was. It seems her intention was just like fun, where she noticed that these guys that lived in her apartment building, they were like young guys, kept getting pizzas delivered. And she was like, they need some home cooking and I'm going to make them chili. And she thought it was just kind of a fun okay, yeah, thing to do. Right. <laughs> Sarah, right. You're right. People were like, don't infantilize men. Like they should learn how to take care of them. <laughs> this is what is wrong with. Everything. Everything. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, and there were not, it wasn't just that. Some people said she was coddling them. She was encouraging man-child behavior. She was a white savior. I don't even know what color any of these people are. uh, Because you, right. Because you offer somebody chili. That is, feels like friendly and neighborly. Some people said she was imposing and presumptuous and. That they wanted chili? Oh Did she ask if they have any allergies? I swear. Oh, my. <laughs> Fuck. I, what, what? Oh. Correct. Yeah. Where do I begin? <laughs> what? Okay. It kind of brings me to the bigger question that comedians do about like 
we, you can't make a joke anymore because everybody, blah, blah, blah. The truth is like people have always had terrible opinions and it's just that now we have to like hear them. Here's what happened. Here's what's happened. Yeah. We have switched our attention Mm -hmm. from, uh, 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 intention to impact. Mm-hmm. We are we have switched our awareness or our focus from yeah. intention to impact. Right. What, we are not focusing on what was the intention behind this? Yeah. What is this person trying to do? Could you imagine? I always liked I always like to play the game. What would their therapist tell them if they were, took this to therapy? And if anybody took it to therapy of like, oh, my neighbor. Came oh over God, with imagine. a pot of chili, and they did not even ask me if I had any allergy. Or da, da, da. What would that therapist say? I'll tell you. <laughs> well, what do you I'll think t- the? Uh, do you think the neighbor had bad intentions, or do you think? What do you think the neighbor maybe? Let's increase some empathy. What do you think the neighbor may be uh, trying to do with this chili? Could we think about? Were they trying to put? Were oh, they trying to my be neighborly? God. Yeah. And then also like if they were cookies would be, would be uh, this up in arms would be would Oh my God. I can't even talk. I'm, I'm (laughs) glitching. Would we be this up in arms about cookies, about rice krispie treats, about zucchini Mm. bread? uh, Is it chicken noodle soup? Like what, what is the fucking problem? I'm sorry. Am I not understanding this? No, no, you're right. And so the Washington post really wasn't trying to weigh in even about like, should she have done that? They were just saying, okay, since everyone's all worked up, let's list some ways that you can do things and be thoughtful. So they're asking like, do people cook for neighbors? And if you do, what do you do? So it's like, ask before cooking if you can. Okay, fine. Give home cooked food without expectation. So you give it to them and yes, then you don't think that's like, whatever. It. You give it and you, there's the expectation of they can do whatever the hell they want sure. with it. If they want to throw it in the garbage, yeah. they can. And that's the next point is if you're the recipient, then you accept it graciously. Right. Period. You right. could toss it in the trash, but right. you just say, well, thanks so much for thinking of me. Yes. That I have is the same policy nice. with my friends who we exchange uh, uh, you know, like, Hey, this doesn't fit me anymore. I don't like these pants anymore. And you give them a pile of your clothes, whatevs. It's like, I am giving it to you with the expectation. You throw can it away. throw every single one of those things in the garbage. Sure. You can give it to goodwill. You can give it to another friend. You can fucking uh, sell it on Poshmark for all I care. You could do whatever it is now in your hands. If you, if I make you a batch of cookies, you can fucking, I don't know. Give it to the birds. Yeah. Whatever mm-hmm. you want. Yeah. Feed and to your it, dog. It does I speak hope you to the, because they're real good cookies, but it it sort of spoke to the point that you were making too that do like let's you know how people will give like if there's a hurricane or something, they'll give like teddy bears and then they end up with right, like okay. well, mountains yeah, of that, teddy bears. That I understand. So it was saying like, yes, this is annoying and it does kind of create waste, but should we really like cut off that impulsive altruism. Maybe we should just be like, okay, that was a nice thought and their intention was in the right place. Now we got too many goddamn bears, but you know, nice try. Right. Right. We're, we're getting right. But this is not a bunch of recycled teddy bears. This is very useful chili. I know. Right. 
I mean, I would love a big pot of chili showing up too. at my door. I, I, and are these the readers of the tweet or the Facebook message or whatever that are commenting on this, or is this the the actual recipients of said chili? No, it was, it was random tweet people. See, it's always yeah. bad. I bet the people who got the chili were like, "Sweet, free chili." Yeah. Can you imagine? Especially so like young men will eat anything. Yeah, and they she don't sees care. them delivering like pizzas. All, like <sighs> they would have loved that. Do we just want to yuck everyone's yum? Yeah, everyone's mad, and so they—that's how they release it now, and it's a real bummer. Well, I hate that. I hate it too. So they can suck it, and yeah, that neighbor sure was nice to even think of doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Because, wow. You know what? You, I, your opinions on the chili? Can it. Can the it. chili itself? Eat it. Eat it. <laughs> <laughs> Make it. Um, okay. On that note, uh, something that everyone will be happy to receive is Kitsch hair care products, the scrunchies, the silk pillowcases. I was going to see if I had anything within reach because I'm traveling and you know <laughs> I bring that right. silk pillowcase to yeah, every hotel. Does. Have pillowcase will travel. Yes. I think mm-hmm. I even brought it when we did our staycation. Yes. I, I feel like it's just a part of you. It is. I mean, what do you, how do you, do you think I'm keeping these long flowy locks? And my hair is growing longer. You know what else I got? The rice water shampoo and conditioner that's in a little bar, like the shampoo. Oh yeah. What's bar. the review? You were going to report back. 10 out of 10. I knew it. So, that's so great. Good. And I didn't know... How e- that's the travel ultimate travel hack. Yes, Don't ever worry about it. Exactly. Exploding. No bottles. This is such no a better bottles, option. No waste. Super cool. Check it out. And in December they had like an elf collab. They have great collabs, like the Barbie yeah. one. Yes. Like they always have the cutest collaborations. Harry Potter. They have cute Harry Potter pillows. They have silk pillows. Come on, Harry Potter. I just love it. But it's great for protecting your hair. Heatless rollers, amazing stuff. Their prices are incredibly affordable too. So you'll get an even better deal with our stuff. Right now, Kitsch is offering you 25% off your entire order at mykitsch.com slash brain candy. That's right. 25% off anything and everything at mykitsch, K-I-T-S-C-H.com slash brain candy. One more time, mykitsch.com slash brain candy for 25% off your order. And now we have a guest. I interviewed a man who is a doll named John Ward, and I wanted to interview him because he has a book out that for me really is relatable, and um, it's called Testimony Inside the Evangelical Movement That Failed a Generation. And he grew up like I did in the evangelical tradition, and then he's still a believer. He still identifies as a Christian, but he's become very disenchanted with um, particularly the political aspect of the evangelical movement and their association with Trump and the right, uh, extreme right-wing stuff. Yeah. And I think that it's relatable on a bigger scale, the way that people are leaving their church of origin or their religion of their family because they don't like what they're seeing. And and in some ways they feel like what they were taught growing up about right and wrong isn't being followed by the leaders that yeah. represent them now. Totally. And he's very thoughtful and pragmatic and 
he writes in a way that he's fair. Like he's just not saying these are a bunch of jerks. I hate their guts. He's saying like, man, I grew up and I believed and now I don't know what to make of this because mm. it no longer feels like it should. Yeah. And so I think if you're grappling with your faith or your religion and what it represents and how maybe society sees you because of it, I think you would enjoy the book. It's called Testimony Again. And um, maybe a lot of our listeners fall into that category. Yeah. And I think if they listen to the interview, they'll relate to the way that he and I are grappling with the mixed feelings that we have about it all. Yeah. So welcome to the show, John Ward, and check out his book, Testimony, if you are among the many disenfranchised, formerly religious people. Welcome, John. John Ward. I feel like you have one of those names, John Ward, where I have to say the whole name. Do people do that to you all the time? Yes. Yeah. It's like That's the one-syllable so thing, right? Because it's I guess so. I often wondered, like, why do people do that? And I yeah. guess that's it's just a, uh, a, a, a the way it sounds. I guess I don't know. Yeah, like it feels incomplete. <clears throat> I have to do both. So you're John Ward today. That's I fun. love your book with all my heart. Testimony inside the evangelical movement that failed a generation. I mean, it's something special. Mm. How do you feel about having written it? Yeah, I feel good. Um, good. Honestly, it, it's been a while since it came out. Um, you know, it'll be a year in April. Um, I was anticipating more of a backlash than I got. I think in retrospect, part of the reason for the lack of that backlash, I guess, is because I did try pretty hard to be generous and gentle. Um, you know, I just finished reading another book about evangelicals by a, a fellow journalist who is also a pastor's kid. Um, Tim Alberta, who writes for the Atlantic, whose book, whose profile of, you know, CNN CEO, Chris Licht, like got him to resign. Oh yeah, that was great. Yeah. So, you know, that book is a little bit more like an Elijah take on evangelicals, like calling down fire. Um, (laughs) were you tempted to do that at all? Oh yeah. Yeah. I think my first draft was, (laughs) was angrier. Um, and I kind of went back through it and. And I, I got some feedback from some people. Um, I mean, I definitely took out some of the sharper edges, but without trying to take out, you know, the, the essence of what I was trying to say. Yeah. So. Well, I really appreciated that. That was something that really felt good to me because if you're anything like me, even though I've uh, left the fold, I have great affection for much of the tradition and my experiences and the people that I knew and love. And so there is, you even said in in the book, like there is this sort of temptation to characterize evangelicals as a whole as these buffoons and whatever. And it's not, you did such a good job of explaining why the tradition is even appealing and what it provides to people. I mean, that was very generous of you. Well, I was thinking about this just in the last day or so that um, for a few years, my early 20s, I was essentially kind of a pastor. Um, I mean, I wasn't, that wasn't my title, but I was given responsibility for a small group of about, I don't know, 20 people. 
And we had meetings every week or I think every week, you know, in somebody's house. And um, they were essentially church meetings. So I was kind of the pastor of that group, um, you know, in a sense. And I think part of what I learned, I hadn't really thought about this till now. Part of what I learned from that experience uh, is something about like how people respond to feedback Mm. and generally feedback that is coming from a place of sort of uh, superiority or perceived superiority or self-righteousness. It can be harsh. It can be negative. Um, That feedback is not usually very well received. And um, I think a, a lot of what makes criticism or critique or feedback effective is that you have to work very hard to come alongside someone, um, you know, and speak with them yeah, uh, and understand their perspective. Yeah. I always talk about how, like, if you're in a fight, like even with your spouse or anybody, you really do have to consider what is the, what is my desired outcome? If my desired outcome is to like really hurt this person, then I'm going to approach it in a different way than if I want to, develop trust or, or persuade someone. And I know because I changed my entire worldview and politics that the only way that that happened was because people were kind and open to listening and just being nice and having a dialogue. And so I suppose, did you feel like you had to decide like, what was your intention when you wrote it? Yeah. Just to finish that thought before I answer that, I I think I think, uh, you know, I've always wanted to, I've always been pragmatic in the way that, that I think about ideas and influence. And I think there's two ways to change somebody's mind or to to get them to do something different. There's persuasion and then there's coercion Mm. and you can make people change through coercion. It's just not going to be very pleasant for anyone involved. And, and I don't think it's. And I don't think it's ethically right, but, um, and I think, you know, God has something to say about that. You know, my intent, I don't know. I mean, I had probably a couple, uh, one would be that I always wanted to write about the way I was raised Mm -hmm. uh, for a long time and had planned on doing some kind of book project about it. And then it just was the right time and the right, uh, moment the right kind of set of circumstances, the right set of themes. I saw that my story had become relevant to um, a larger story. Mm. So that was part of it. And then um, I don't know if this was my intent, but certainly the, the, the act of writing it um, was like very helpful in sort of excavating and understanding my own story um, hmm. and sort of working through parts of it, you know, and I, I do think that that's a really healthy thing for everyone to do in some form and probably numerous times throughout your life, maybe every five to 10 years would be to just sort of take some time to maybe you're, maybe it's to have a formal, you know, way it could be through conversation with a friend. It could be through writing other, you know, ways of doing it, I'm sure, but to kind of, um, 
think through, I mean, therapy is another, I think, you know, place that this can happen, but think through, you know, the experiences you've had in your life, the ways that you've come to think what you think, sort of examining, you know, how do we end up believing what we believe, I think is very, very, very um, important. And something that came up in this book that I just mentioned, Tim, Tim's book, I really like the way that one of the people he spoke to said it, um, which is that he and others have been challenging their upbringing with their upbringing. Right, totally. You know? um, yeah. Which is kind of interesting. And, and I'm already, I'm already thinking about like, okay, how do I need to prepare myself? And in what ways is it going to emerge that my children will do this to me you mm-hmm. know, and, and Allie in my wife? So I wanted to ask you that about parenting because you, you, kind of touched on it a bit, but I'm kind of jealous of the tools that my, my mom in particular had where there was this black and white dualistic worldview where it was like good and bad. And she would just say, God said certain things. And so who am I (laughs) to God said, I got to do it. I don't have that in my parenting toolbox. It's much more nuanced and gray, which can be difficult as a parent. It would be really nice to be like, this is wrong. You can't do it. Cause God said, does that ever feel like that to you? I, uh, I think we parented a little bit like that. Um, in the early days, our oldest mm-hmm. is 16. And, um, oh. I think we have been on a journey over the last, you know, 20, yeah. 20 years. Right. Um, and so I think we've been pulling some of that stuff out. And yeah. so, um, I, it is, it, it does feel, it does leave you feeling more probably like a failure at times when, yeah. when you can't give an easy answer or you can't sort of direct in certain ways. But I think if you really look at the outcomes from that method of parenting, like kids who have gone through it, right. the, 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 like the median outcome is not usually that great. Um, and so Honestly, like I look at people who have been raised in other faith traditions or in no faith tradition at all, and you're like, those people are turned out to be really good humans. Right. Um, And so uh, I think there's a lot of evidence um, in support of taking a less dogmatic approach, less controlling approach to parenthood. Yeah, maybe in the long haul it pays off. Let's hope so. I'm crossing my fingers over here, John Ward. Um, (laughs) I was wondering, because I have a family who is still very conservative. Do you ever have the feeling that I do where... And okay, so I don't know if you know the background, but my co-host and I were on uh, MTV's The Real World and The Challenge and Road Rules. And I was cast when I was 18 as this virginal... Christian, you know, the, the type they used to have back in the, back before everyone just started drinking all the time. Often from Texas or the South, but sometimes. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, and I was cracking up about how, like, even when I pick up a book, like you're like within the first page of the foreword, I think we're talking about Sean campus or Sean Duffy from, and he was from the real world. Yeah. We're everywhere. Did you ever cross paths with him? Yeah, and Rachel, and they're, yeah. they're very nice, like yeah. people. Yeah, but we don't agree. Yeah, I met them both actually at the twenty, one of the conventions, probably twenty sixteen. Yeah, were they nice to you? Yeah, yeah, they were. Great. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay. 
Okay, good. And I mean, there, I have this feeling like I'm letting down because I was an, ex- I was put on television as an example of a, a model of evangelical young people. And yeah. now I've sort of, I feel like I've betrayed them. Do you ever feel like that? I don't think you've betrayed anybody. I mean, I think betrayal is, um, is a relational thing. Mm. There, there can be ways which we can betray people, betray their trust. Um, Mm. but you know, your relationship with faith and with, um, ultimate reality, like that's, that's not a, that's not a contract that you've entered with other people. That's between you and, and God, you know? Mm Hmm. Yeah. I also share your feeling though, that of being let down by the the church and you describe uh, it's a lot of it through the lens of like the Trump uh, movement and, and everything. And did you feel as I did this sense of like, I guess I want to know, do you think, let's say whenever there was a focus on Bill Clinton's moral, you know, code or whatever, that they were, being dishonest about caring about that or that they just changed their mind? Well, I don't think people were being dishonest in the nineties. I don't think they're being dishonest now. I think people are generally like pretty, I mean, it depends who we're talking about. Are we talking about like, you know, that idea where like leaders at the national level, or are we talking about people in the churches and the pews? The leaders. Yeah. I, I don't, I think it would have been, I think it was pretty easy to be sincere in the nineties with Clinton um, about that because it was sort of on brand. I, I think there's been a lot more need for these leaders to sort of deceive themselves Mm. um, with Trump. But I, I, you know, I I worked for Tucker Carlson. I got to know him pretty well and to watch, you know, sort of his evolution has Mm -hmm. definitely sparked a lot of conversation among me and others who have worked for him about like what happened, like, does he believe? Yes. Right. Like this sort of thing. And I I do think like there are elements, there's complex mixtures of self-deception, you know, the ways that our incentive structures, like what interests us, what benefits us can lead us to sort of unwittingly convince ourselves of things that might not be true. Mm -hmm. And then just pure cynicism is always probably part of the mixture as well. And a means justify the ends type of thing where yeah. if they're the outcome, like, you know, the Supreme court, is it so important that it was worth not caring about Trump's personal failings? Yeah. Although just to fixate on that point about judges and, yeah. and abortion, like the, to go back to Tim's book again, like he went through the stats and there are more abortions in America post row than there were po- before it was overturned. How do you think that they reconcile that? I think, yes, it's a great, such a good question. Most people just stop there and they don't ask that question. And I think the the way that sort of the average evangelical would respond to that would be to say, well, we got to keep going, you know, we've got, <laughs> without actually, done. without actually stopping and saying, well, hold on, you know, <clears throat> what are all the compromises we've made to get to this point to, to overturn Roe, like what have we sacrificed in pursuit of that? And is it worth it rather than just like doubling down and saying, let's keep going, let's keep getting 
you know, more judges, uh, you know, confirmed to federal courts and uh, let's keep getting more control of more state legislatures, you know, like, yeah, that's, that's sort of, I think where a lot of people's minds go. Maybe this is too fraught, but do you think that they, there is amongst the leaders that the, a genuine con- concern about the unborn or do you think there's something else at the foundation of that? Like, you know, power structures, fam- you know, within families and society and things like that. Hierarchies. I think a lot of times it can be both. Yeah. You know, um, it's, it, it's definitely a very sincere and understandable position to, yeah. to be opposed to. Abo- I, I mean, look, if yeah. you look at the polling of most Americans, mm-hmm. Um, there are large numbers. I don't want to get, I haven't looked at it recently, so I don't want to make too definitive a statement here, but like there are large numbers of Americans who are either opposed or uncomfortable to abortions somewhere in the pregnancy. You know, many times it's after the first trimester, sometimes it's at midway through the second, but like, there's a lot of discomfort and outright opposition to abortion at some point in the pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, like it's a morally fraught topic, right? Obviously. Yeah. And yeah. so I think a lot of these leaders come from a position of, you know, that's their personal view. And then they also have certainly since the late 1970s, like the proofs in the pudding, it's been an incredible galvanizing and organizing like mechanism for the Republican party. That is for sure. I have always been impressed about that (laughs) (laughs) and sort of jealous. Um, Do you feel like that you, I love that you are a journalist. It makes me so happy that you, cause you are able to speak the language of you can code switch and you can understand perspectives in a way that other people might, might not be able to, but do you ever get the feeling that you don't belong anywhere or do you feel like you kind of belong everywhere? Can I just, can I just say both to every question? Like yeah, right. that, is, that is what, you know, My that questions is what are it, so bad. No, not at all. I, I think it's, uh, it's just sort of the, the, the nature of like being what I call a border stalker is that, yeah. um, and, and part of journalism and, you know, quite honestly, I think so much of Christianity at its core, I can't fully explain this, but I do think that it really does push us towards a both and perspective. Um, I mean, I, I, I think it should. Unfortunately, like a lot of organized religion creates um, either or thinking mm. like that's the way it kind of plays out but i think both and thinking is just i think it's the way of of the divine um mm. i don't you know i don't think i don't think god has a scarcity mindset right i think god has a uh abundance mindset a god is is self-giving um you know they talked at rosalind carter's memorial service about how how she knew um, the power of giving your love away. Um, oh, man, you know, I, I thought that was a beautiful test testimony. So, yeah. um, I will say when I go to church, 
I like to visit different churches. I, I visited a, a church I had been to only once before this past Sunday with um, our, our daughter. And uh, a journalist that I knew said hi to me. And I get a really, really high sense of like reassurance when I see another journalist in church. <laughs> because um, I kind of feel, I feel safer because church can be a scary place for me. Um, so I, I guess I, I feel most at home, you know, with my family, my wife and my kids. Uh, I feel, I feel at more at home with, with journalists than I did maybe in the past, but mm. I don't, I don't feel alone in the world or like out of step, but, but there is a way in which journalism does create a barrier between mm-hmm. yourself and other people that limits, you know, the degree to which you can really become close to someone or, or go deep with someone. But that's, I think that's okay. I think that's like part of life among many, you know, um, industries. And I think all of us in life, like need to have sort of like fences, around, mm-hmm. you know, certain and, and limitations because it's just, I don't know, it just seems to be the way of the way of things. Mm-hmm. And yeah. overall, at least for me, getting my PhD and focusing on evangelicals, however, it might be difficult. I think in overall, it's useful and helpful to studying them and doing my work. So What's use, what is useful overall? Being able, well, in Having been a member of the community, yeah, oh, yeah. having been devout, yeah. being able to speak. It is like a another language. I w- was tickled yeah. every time you would, you would use a phrase that was, you know, familiar to me from, because it's a, it's a language that they yeah. use that is different than the secular world. Yes. And so it's useful to be able to talk to them in the way that they make sense to them. Yeah. Absolutely. I, language was always one of my big hangups. I, I just sort of like had a very severe allergic reaction to the way that language was, was beat into uh, nothingness, you know, by the repetitive nature of just like using these words, which are supposed to represent something sacred. Um, yeah. And they just get completely bludgeoned into nothing. <laughs> Meaninglessness. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Why do you think that it seems to me that you, the life of Jesus and his message is particularly inspiring to you and um, animating to how you live your life? I don't feel like that is focused enough in the church, the life of Jesus. And I'm wondering why you think that might be. Do you think it's because it's, it's super hard to love your neighbor and it's easier to do other things or what? Yeah, I think it's pretty, I think it's probably not too much more complicated than, than one, one of what, what you said. And and then one other thing, Mm. you know, it is really hard to, to, to live out the core teachings of Jesus and his core teachings are not that they're not that complex. 
You right. know, love, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, Sermon on the Mount, all about um, loving those and helping those who are in need. Yeah. Um, you know, loving your enemy, forgiving your enemy. These are the basic core teachings of Christ, and um, they're not hard to understand, but they are hard. They are hard to to live out. I. It's such a personal story, but it that's what, why your book is so cool because it's personal, but it's so relatable because there are many people like us who lived in this subculture and now are either embracing it or grappling with the, a dissonance with, you know, who you grew into. I, I probably saw you at Acquire the Fire. We're <sighs> the same age. I went to Teen Mania. I was uh, uh, in it, man. So, you know, you talk about the God-shaped hole in people's <laughs> heart and, um, like, it just made me think of like this this conversation that I'm seeing right now about Ayan Hurston Ali's conversion to Christianity. She's a an author who was, a, I think, a lapsed Muslim who's on the right politically, and there's all these uh, there's all these conversations about like what is it is it bad if people talk about faith as like a social construct that's used mm-hmm. for you know cohesion and community building, um, you know, versus like is it true? And I, I just, Mm. I fall in the middle. Like I do think it's good for social cohesion and community building, obviously. And I think like uh, people like Ibu Patel at Interfaith America, like they do great work about focusing on how faith can motivate and is really essential to helping us, you know, construct a, you know, beloved community. Yeah. But, um, but I, you know, but I also am comfortable like, in the conversation about whether it's true or not, even if I'm not always 100%, even if I have a lot of doubt, right. You know, I want to keep walking that road. Yes. Too. So, right. That's my whole thing. Way. Yeah. That's why I went, that's why I wanted to get a PhD because I felt like if it were the truth with a capital T, it should be able to stand up to books and, you know, scholarship or whatever. For me, it was a house of cards, but that's not true for everyone that studies it. Some people, it reinforces their, their faithfulness and, and that's lovely too. But mm-hmm. I'm, I don't think the questions ought to be something to be scared of. That was often shut down, at least in my experience, as you pointed out, excessive questioning is threatening. Yeah, because the the flip side of social cohesion you know, as an outcome of religion is that religion is also a, a, a mechanism for, for control. Yeah. So questions threaten that. Um, mm. And conformity. But, you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. It just, I, I'm just thinking of our earlier point about the simplicity of Christ. Um, you know, one of the phrases I use to I, I like to use about religion is that it's a it's a well religion maybe maybe faith hmm. but it's a quest for like ultimate reality and ultimate reality to me is a is a phrase that sort of wriggles its way outside of organized religion. Um, because so much of religion is about trying to put thing in put things in boxes 
mm-hmm. and and then and then sort of cap the discussion as you just <laughs> right. talked about. Right. Um, but I I do have here's what I have a lot of faith in, and this is what's scary is that you know inquiry means you have to keep assessing mm. this this yeah this faith. But like my faith is that ultimate reality, there is a God, and that like that God does is a God of love mm-hmm. and that love and uh, goodness are somehow wrapped up in the DNA of, of this universe. But, mm-hmm. but there is so much darkness and, uh, and, 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 and evil that it, it does make it hard, but that's, you know, it's part of the work of, of faith is to look that in the, in the face to, to look it in the eye, to, to not look away as much as possible. It's part of the work of Advent, you know, which mm-hmm. I've really come to appreciate in recent yeah. years is to, to sit with the reality of the brokenness of the world um, rather than just sort of trying to bury our heads in the sand. I do feel like your faith and in, in writing the book were radical acts and maybe they don't seem like that to you, but I thought it was heroic and, I, I'm really just grateful that you did it and that you continue to do that work because it's not easy. It's not easy, but it almost seems like not doing it would be harder to me. Um, really? Yeah. I mean, maybe that's just me, but like not pressing forward, mm-hmm. not pushing deeper. Yeah. Seems like that's where I end up the most broken and the Mm -hmm. most, and the most unfulfilled. Um, I actually just thought of another quote from my dad, you know, when his father died, he read a passage from uh, one of C.S. Lewis's books, which talks about going further in and uh, further up and deeper in. Um, And it's, it's a metaphor. It's, I think at the moment in the book, it's talking about going into a mountain range, but it's a metaphor for, you know, going further up and deeper into, uh, trying to understand and experience and live out, you know, what it means to be fully human mm. and, uh, and part of God's kingdom. Mm. It's so inspiring. I really love what you say. So thanks. Well, yeah, I'm grateful to my dad, you know, for as oh, much man. as I have criticism nice. of him in the book, I'm increasingly grateful for, you know, what he, uh, what he sowed into me. I think he came across as sincere and yeah. and noble in many ways. Yeah. My dad wouldn't have come off that that good. So <laughs> it could be worse. <laughs> well, as they say, it can almost always be worse. <laughs> That's so inspiring too. <laughs> no, I I get it and I I think your dad sounds like a character and we all it's very relatable. We're we're all in the same boat. Yeah. So I hope everyone reads your book, Testimony, John Ward, Inside the Evangelical Movement That Failed a Generation. Thanks so much for coming on and tolerating my therapy session. Well, I I, I don't know how much you've written of your own story, um, mm. but you should definitely continue that work. I was going to ask you, do you feel like it's it was cathartic or were you like, what have I done? 2000%. It was. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, well, that's good I, to know. But as I say, I feel like everyone should do this in one form or another and mm-hmm. to one degree of, you know, 
disclosure or another. Like some people, they don't have to show it to anyone, or maybe they could show it to a few close friends or just their spouse. Some people could publish it on Substack. Some people, you know, whatever. Mm. Like it, I just think the act of doing it is really um, important for mm. um, our growth. You know. Mm. All right, I'll keep that in mind. <laughs>